How many control freaks do we have gathered together here this morning? All right. How many of you would like to have a detailed map laying out exactly what is to come and where to go? How many of you like the detailed map telling you exactly where to go? How many of you just like to fly by the seat of your pants, just wherever, whenever, I don't care, we'll go wherever and whenever? All right, got a couple of you. You are dismissed for the morning. See you later. Those of you control freaks this morning, along with myself, you're probably going to get bothered a little bit today as we look at God's design for the day today. As we look at God's design for the day today, when we understand this design that God has, we might get bothered a little bit. We might get itched a little bit because God's design might not be the exact way we want it to be or how maybe we even thought it to be. Author Kevin DeYoung, who's a pastor in Michigan, said this, God does not tell us the future, nor does he expect us to figure it out. When we don't know which way to turn and are faced with tough decisions in life, God doesn't expect us to grope in the dark for some hidden will of direction. In other words, Pastor DeYoung is talking about the day-to-day life. When we don't know exactly what God wants, God doesn't want us then just kind of living about going, well, I don't know, and then entering into stress and doing nothing. There's not some mysterious will that's to be found by rolling the dice or shaking the magic eight ball. Pastor Young is saying, hey, it's not how God created things. It's not the design he has. And we see that here in Proverbs chapter 3 in God's design for the day today. As we look at God's design for the day today, the first thing we noticed here in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1, look with me in verse 1. The first thing we notice about God's design is this. He says, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. The first thing that you and I have to know about God's design for the day today is this, that we're supposed to know and do the knowable. Know and do the knowable. Say that with me. Know and do the knowable. Okay, we could just stop right here. And some of you, that's not enough. God wants us to simply know what he's revealed and to do what he's revealed. He says here to keep his commandments. Some people look at this and they describe this as the revealed moral law of God. So there's certain things that God has not revealed about himself and about his plans, but there are specific things that God has revealed. And what God has revealed is his moral law, that which what he wants us to be, how he wants us to to behave. You could say that his commands reflect his moral desire for creation. So the very first thing that God is saying here is saying, hey, this, hey, you need to first and foremost do what you know. You better start keeping my commandments. Look at it this way. God is saying to us, hey, you've got one job. Follow what I've told you. Follow what I've told you. Most of us want to move on to the next thing right away, when in reality, God keeps coming back to this, saying, hey, obey me. It's not just in the Old Testament, the Proverbs here, but Jesus says the exact same thing. If you love me, you will obey what I command you. He's not saying you're going to obey some secret direction I'm going to give you. No, no, you will obey what I command you. So in our day-to-day lives, the foundation of our day-to-day living is this, knowing and doing the knowable. And there's a lot to know. 
God has revealed a lot in his word about his desires for our lives. Now, knowing is a little bit complicated here because you and I have this idea that we know stuff. Well, in the Hebrew, and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the Hebrew, Hebrew understanding of the word know or to have knowledge of something was not just to be book aware of something. So you read something in a book and all of a sudden you know something. The Hebrew understanding of knowledge was that you had academic awareness, but you had life experience with it. And so they would say you knew something when you had the academic awareness, but you also had the life experience experience. You weren't truly knowledgeable until you had the experience of it in your life. And so God is saying, hey, I want you to know my commands, not, not just kind of have a peripheral understanding that you can look in some book for them, but no, no, they're burned in your life. Look with me, if you would, here back in Proverbs verse 1. We're going to see kind of a, a theme going through the chapter here. He says, let your heart keep my commandments. Heart is a imagery for the central command center in your life. When you and I think of heart, we think of feelings, right? Because we think of our hearts kind of our inner feelings, our, our heart felt that way. You have that heartfelt expression. Well, the Hebrew understanding of heart is kind of the center intellect of your being from which all of your activity flows. And so God is saying here, my commands should reside in your central command center. Your central command center should be flooded with my commands. Look with me down to verse 3 here in Proverbs 3. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, let your central command center be filled with my commands, my love, and my faithfulness. God wants our inner being to be saturated with the ways of God. This is the first and the foremost thing in God's design for the day today. That we know and we do the knowable. So one simple practical application for you and I today is this. Do I know the knowable? In other words, have I opened the Bible God, where we would say this is where God has revealed himself? So our church would teach, along with many other churches in the Christian tradition, that God has revealed himself through a couple of different things. First, through creation, God has made his majesty and his greatness known. That there's this mystery to it that God says in his words that through creation we become aware that there must be a creator. The second place that God has revealed himself is through the person of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus comes, Jesus is actually making the God of the universe known. Well, you and I... We don't live with Jesus. Jesus isn't here. There's no longer the resemblance of God walking among us. That was at one time, at one point in history, that God made himself known through a specific human being, his son. So creation, God's son, and the third way that God has made himself known then is through his word. So the only way that we can know God now, know the things he has revealed, is through his word. And so for you and I to know the knowable, we have to open his word. Are you and I opening his word on a regular basis to understand the revealed will of God? If you're one of those that, like, God, speak to me. You know what? God is speaking to you. None of us can ever say, 
God didn't say anything to me. That's simply untrue. All we have to do is open His Word and He speaks to us. First and foremost, we have to know the knowable. Open His Word and see the revealed will of God. There's no grand mystery out there. There's no thing to go out in the middle of the night and and wait for some grand mystery to be revealed through some fleecing. Not at all. It's, It's right here. God has made it clear to us what's knowable. Know and do the knowable. That's the first thing about God's design for the day today. So now you're all like, well, pastor, we knew that. I mean, right? You knew that. You're supposed to do what God says to do. Well, it was right there in Proverbs, so we had to cover it. But I should get myself in trouble this morning. If we're a good Bible church, which we proclaim, some of you should be upset this morning already. You should be upset that I stopped reading where I stopped in verse 8 of Proverbs chapter 3. Because your pastor was selective this morning of what portions of the Bible passage I was going to cover. Because look with me what it says in verse 9 of Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That's right here in the same section that we're looking at this morning. And the reason I bring this up is, is not for offering. We've already taken our offering. The reason I bring this up is this. If we're going to talk about God's plan for our day-to-day, the first thing is know and do the knowable. There is one area where God has made it plainly clear what His will is, and that's in the area of finances. There's, there's no wiggle room. God has made it crystal clear in His Word what His plan is. And so if you're here today like, yes, I'm so excited to learn what God's plan is for my life. My first question would be this. Have you started with the most difficult spot? Money. If you can know God's plan for your life and money and begin to implement there, guess what? The other doors are going to open a whole lot easier. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this this morning because I just want to recap though. The knowable about money from God is this. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your produce. We don't have to get into that today. I'll break it down very simply for you this way. God says this. First fruits means this, right off the top. So for them, they had the agricultural society. So they had this picture of the first fruits was the first of the harvest that you brought in. It's clear in God's word that that goes back to the tithe in the book of Genesis, which meant 10%. So 10% right off the top went right back to God. That was God's plan. That's how God created his people group, and that's the thing that he laid down for his people to follow. It's all throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along. Jesus doesn't say, well, that was back then. He gets challenged on it, and Jesus says this, you should do this and more. So he doesn't throw it away. He doesn't throw away the plan. He says, yep, that's God's plan. Just let's be really direct with our own hearts this morning. Ask ourselves, myself included. Am I following God's revealed will for my finances? Because he's made it known what he wants. He wants us to bring back the first fruits, to give to him first, and then trust that he's going to provide for the rest. This is a big, this is a toughie. This is a toughie for all of us. 
So, know and do the knowable, and he says here in Proverbs 3, he kind of gives us one of the knowns. So after we know this, God's design for the day today, that we are to know and do the knowable, well, what next? What about when you got to go buy that car? What about when you got to decide on that next job or where to live? What about all that stuff where there's nothing really in the Bible about it? What do we do? Well, I think we can summarize what God's design is in, in really two words. Well, three words, depending on how you include the middle word. Acknowledge and go. Acknowledge and go. That's God's design for the day-to-day, specifically when talking about kind of this area where we don't have the revealed moral will of God. Acknowledge and go. Let's look with me here in Proverbs chapter 3 and unpack this a little bit. So God has laid out, hey, put my commands upon your heart, follow them. Let's pick up here in verse 5 and go through uh, verse 8. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Stop right there. So God's saying, hey, my design for the day today is this, is that you would acknowledge me and then you would simply go trusting in God. We read earlier in our service from the book of James, James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. In that little passage from James chapter 4, it it packs a huge punch. God is basically saying to this group of business leaders in James chapter 4, he's saying, hey, you're making all these great plans. You've got a great business strategy to go to this town and make a profit. However, you forgot one key thing. You have not acknowledged me. And so God says to them there in James chapter 4, you can make these plans, but guess what? If God does not will it, it will not happen. Now, there's a lot of mystery in there, and we could spend hours unpacking all of that. But the main purpose in James 4 is this. You better acknowledge God. You better acknowledge that this is under God's authority, and this is dependent upon God. I think you and I this morning would agree that we live in a culture where godlessness is running rampant. We're concerned about the level of godlessness in our culture and the world around us. I'm concerned this morning not about the godlessness out there, but the godlessness right here and right here. And what I mean by that is this, not the sexual immorality, not the lying and the gossiping, but the godlessness in our inability and our unwillingness to acknowledge God in our planning. Acknowledge God in our planning. He says it right here in Proverbs 3, hey, acknowledge Him in all of our ways. So what does it look like to acknowledge God? I want to encourage you to do three things this morning when it comes to acknowledging God. The first is this, acknowledge the presence of God. This is a good habit to get into. I encourage you to do this. This isn't a law or a rule, but this helps you just build it into your life. And that is this, as you're walking into a meeting, as you're walking into a date, as you're walking into supper, whatever it is that you're walking into, just maybe say something simple like this. God, thank you for being here with me. Very simple. God, thank you for being here with me. What are you doing? One is you're thanking God, but two, you're also reminding yourself of the presence of God. Too often, we cut God out of things in our life because we don't think He is present. God is everywhere. One, He's present, if you're a believer, through the Holy Spirit who's with you. And then secondly, God tells us in the Bible that He's over all creation, omnipresent. 
And so there's nowhere we go where it's like, oh, God's not here, thankfully, so I can do whatever I want. No, no. We need to acknowledge the presence of God. This, this does change things on a very practical level. Think back. I know this is hard for some of you. Think back to your teenage years. And you were preparing to go out for the night. Now, after you got out and were out for the night, how would it have changed things if you would have said, Mom and Dad are right here? The presence of your parents would have changed some of you drastically. Right? So, the, so just that simple presence changes us. How much more God in our lives? How much more knowing that the creator of the universe is right here alongside of us should affect the way I think about someone else during that meeting? Should affect the words I say to someone at the dinner table? The first acknowledgement that we can make is the presence of God. The second thing that we can acknowledge when we're acknowledging God is this, acknowledge the purpose of God. And so this goes back to what? The last two weeks. The purpose of God is what? To be Christ-like. It's good again to remind ourselves. So now the prayer builds a little bit. God, thank you for being here with me. Clothe me in Christ. God, thank you for being here with me. Clothe me with Christ. I'm acknowledging the purpose of God right now is for me to reflect the character of Jesus Christ. So remind yourself continually of that purpose. So, acknowledge the presence of God, acknowledge the purpose of God, and the final one is this. We need to acknowledge the authority of God. We, we've become so good at segmenting our lives that we segment God right out of a majority of it. Our lives, you could say, are just like a waffle. You know, a waffle, you got all these little compartments. And in, that wa- in our lives, you might have all these little different compartments. You've got your work life. You've got your family life, you've got your church life, you've got your hobby life, you've got your finance life. And our lives have all of these different compartments. The question is, am I acknowledging the authority of God over all of them? How many of you are like me when you're preparing your waffle? You've got to make sure you get a little butter in every square. All right, got to get butter in every square. Some of you are just like, ah, I'm just going to put a big plump right here in the middle. And then, it doesn't make any sense to me. You one bite, you get all of this butter. I mean, are you like, oh, finally I just get my butter saved up for the rest of the meal. Why not just have a little butter with every bite? That's kind of a side issue, but it's a big deal to me. You got to put butter in every square. But more importantly, guess what? God has authority over every compartment. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it in Proverbs chapter 3. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. It's not just like on Sunday morning. Morning, God. Heading off to church this morning. Just wanted to remind you. And God's like, oh, good. Glad they acknowledged me on Sunday. God wants to be acknowledged 24-7. God has authority over every area of our life. This is basically the storyline of the Bible. If you want to understand the message of the Bible in one sentence, I would say it's this. God has authority over you and everything. Because the main problem in our life, the main problem in the Bible is this, idolatry. Idolatry is this, creating 
or resurrecting someone or something else to be a god. And that's what the whole Old Testament is about. The nation of Israel, what? They keep resurrecting these different idols. And God has to keep telling them, hey, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And then he's got to send them into exile. He's got to burn stuff. He's got to rebuild stuff, destroy stuff. What? To say, I am your God. God is God, which means just by definition, he has authority over everything. Have you acknowledged that authority? So the prayer deepens a little bit. God, thank you for being here with me. Clothe me in the character of Christ. God, you have authority over this decision. God, you have authority over this decision. A very simple prayer. I want to encourage you, maybe make that your prayer during the week at different times. You're walking into a meeting. God, thank you for being here with me. Clothe me like Christ, and you have authority right now. You're acknowledging God. There's nothing magical, nothing mystical. You're simply what? Reminding yourself of reality because all of those things are true. God is there with you. God's overarching purpose is for you to reflect Christ, and God does have authority over everything. So in the day-to-day, it's actually pretty simple. First, acknowledge. So after you've acknowledged, then what? Go! Stop sitting around. You're going to buy a car? Don't mope about it. Oh, I don't know what God wants me to do. Black or yellow or this or that. Acknowledge God, then what? Buy the car. And don't spend any more time on it. You're trying to decide, oh, I don't, I don't know. Pastor, I don't know if I should serve on that committee. I need to pray about it. Okay, folks, some of you are going to think this is heresy. That's ridiculous. Okay? If you're asked to do something, maybe say, okay, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to acknowledge God, da 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 and then what? I'm going to decide and go. There's no mysterious thing that 24 hours, 48 hours, or 13 days later, God's going to reveal something to you that there's some this mysterious thing that you're supposed to do X or Y. No. Just step out and do it, or don't do it, and be what? Fine with it. Take a little personal responsibility. Trust that God is true to his word, that he says when you ask for wisdom, he gives it. You hear that? God's word says if you ask for wisdom, he will give it. So if you say, God, I need wisdom right now. And so God gives you the wisdom. You make that decision, go with it. Some of you are like, oh, pastor, it's not this easy. You are really off the rails this morning. Folks, we've complicated things so that we can have more control. We've complicated things so we can have more control. We've also then minimized God. When in reality, there's a great beauty here. God is creator over the whole universe, and he's created us as free beings. Okay, you're not a robot. God's not up there directing little string puppets. We've already talked about this issue of spirituality and, and God's overarching plan, the mysteriousness of that, absolutely. But in the day-to-day, you are not a robot. God created you freely to go out and make decisions and do stuff or not do stuff. So acknowledge God and then go. 
And here's where you're going, verse 3, verse 5. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So after you acknowledge God, it's pretty simple like this. Okay, God, I'm trusting that this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to trust in you, God. Go and do and trust God. You see, trust is not a one-time deposit you make when you're 12 years old and you say, Jesus, come into my heart. We've made it that. We've made trust that, this one-time moment where I say, Jesus, come into my heart. That's a great thing. It's a great thing to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my heart. You are my Savior, you're my Lord. That's awesome. Don't, I'm not downplaying that. But that's not the whole picture. Trust is an ongoing reliance, a leaning on God or someone or something else. So, so faith is not a one-time experience, but rather it's a daily life habit for the Christian because we're constantly and continually walking by faith. So what does it mean to walk by faith? Let's look here in Proverbs 3, 5 to break it down a little bit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. To, to, to trust in something is to what? Rely upon it for whatever it says it's going to deliver because the opposite of trusting in the Lord is to lean on something or someone else. So, you're always trusting in something or someone. The question is, are you trusting in the Lord? So where it says here, lean on your own understanding, you could just simply rephrase that by saying, do not trust your own understanding. He's just using different language there to draw out the imagery in the picture. Saying, lean on God rather than trusting in yourselves. Trust in God rather than leaning on yourselves. So, acknowledge God his presence, his purpose, his authority, and then what? Go! And as you're going, you're trusting. You're trusting that God's going to work, that he's, his purposes are going to happen. You're trusting that he's going to provide for you. Step out and go! Trust God. Now, some of you are like, this was worthless to come this morning. This is so simple. I, I know this, Pastor. Obey and trust. I mean, everybody knows that. The reality is that we know it academically. We don't have knowledge of it experientially. Because we try and talk ourselves out of it. Because we think there's more. No, there's not more. There's walking by faith to please the living God. Now, there's level of complications, and here's your teaser to come back next week, okay? Come back next week, because next week we're going to dig into then, okay, how does God guide us? How does God guide us? If he hasn't made it known, if he hasn't made a clear picture, how does he guide us? We're going to get into that, have a little topical message of three or four questions, three or four things we need to do to understand God's guiding. But the overwhelming picture is this. God wants you to acknowledge him, and God wants you to go. So, where do you need to acknowledge God today? And then where do you need to go? The problem is the majority of us are like middle school or in our 20s children with our father. I think what Proverbs chapter 3 is teaching us this morning, I don't think I know what Proverbs 3 is teaching us this morning, is that God wants us to be 
like adult children. Think of it this way. Think of a relationship of a father and their child. A four-year-old says this about their dad. Oh, you know everything. You're amazing. You're the creator. A nine-year-old says, oh, dad, you know a lot, but you're not as smart as you used to be. A 15-year-old says, well, dad doesn't matter. A 21-year-old says, oh, dad, that's not worth it. A 25-year-old says, oh, dad might have known a little bit. A 35-year-old says, hey, before we decide this, let's get dad's advice. A 50-year-old says, what would dad have thought about? A 65-year-old says, I wish I could talk it over one more time with dad. You know what God wants? God wants you and I to have the childlike faith of a four-year-old. He says, God, you're awesome. You know it all. And God wants us to be like the 65-year-old that knows that their dad had all of that wisdom. And God wants us to live as that adult child, acknowledging God for that wisdom and going and walking by faith like that young child. So this next week, are you going to be in middle school? And can we all agree that middle school is one of the least fun times of our lives? Bless you, middle school teachers. Are you going to be in middle school? Are you going to go and be a four-year-old and a 65-year-old? Aren't those the two best ages anyhow? At four, you have no responsibility, and at 65... You really have no responsibility either. <laughs> so let's go forth this next week. Let's go forth this next week. Trusting like a young four-year-old and knowing like an old, old 65-year-old that God knows best. Thanks be to God that God has created us and given us the ability to live day by day, to walk by faith as we acknowledge him. Let us pray. Everlasting God, we acknowledge this morning that you are here with us. We acknowledge this morning, God, that you will be with us tomorrow afternoon at our work meeting. We acknowledge that you will be with us in the grocery line on Tuesday evening. God, we acknowledge your presence Remind us throughout this next week of your presence. And God, we also ask that you would clothe us in the character of Christ. God, accomplish your purpose through us to reflect his image to the world around us. And God, we acknowledge this morning that you have all authority. God, you are the king of our hearts. You are the king of this church. So God, we submit to your authority. And now, God, we ask that you would empower us with the Holy Spirit to go. 
and walk by faith. God, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your continual presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen.